0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, my dear friends, Philip and Bianca. Unfortunately, Kent can't be here this week. He seems to be having a little trouble with his keyboard. He keeps typing in IGA and it keeps autocorrecting to LGA. I wonder why. Anyway, on with the show. How are we, guys? Good, thank you.
1: I just realized that outside of Australia, that makes no sense.
0: I know, I know, but it is the case here right now with all these localised searches going on as our New South Wales government continues to crack down and increase the number of local government areas that are restricted due to idiocy.
2: Yes, as opposed to can't searching for the independent grocery Grocers of
0: Australia
2: Grocers of Australia,
0: okay Independent Grocers of Australia
2: Is it? Well hang on, hold on a second That's not very independent if everyone's got the same name, is it? It's also If everyone's also- part of the same association or the same um, group Yep Then yep. you're no longer an individual So you're no longer ind- in independent Grocers of Australia, are you? You're, you're a franchise
0: group. Yeah Correct Individuality's fine as long as we do it together
2: Yeah Exactly. (laughs) Um, Besides that, though, Drew, um, yeah, I'm fine. We are absolutely fingers-crossing it that Sarah has one week um, till she's on the flight and here. Woohoo! So my fingers and toes are all totally crossed that that just goes smoothly and just goes... I'm just putting it out into the world so that way hopefully it goes right. Anyway, um, I've said it now. It has to go right because I've said it on the podcast. Um... Not that that ever works. But uh, besides that, yeah, uh, lockdown's still doing its thing. I've got my Apple AirPods back, um, and they're working brilliantly. And mm, uh, Most um, excellent. Yeah, and I'm ready to get into um, some casting of the pod.
0: Jolly good. And Bianca, you're all good?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Just working from home, that kind of life. And Actually, now, today neither- was a pretty good working from home day, I have to say, because I was watching movies all day in the background.
0: Oh, that is nice. Mm. Yes. Now, n- neither of you are in a
2: government area that's locked down, are you? Nope. Nope. I'm, um, no. I'm in the one that won't be shut down.
1: I I live close to a couple, um, and my family members live in a few. So my brother's in you know? Belmore, and my um, Oh know it's just mum in Bel- uh Justin Belmore now, and then we thought Chatswood was going to get shut down for some reason. Don't do I'm
2: surprised it hasn't already. It's I lost. know. that, I th- that what much, We were this, too. There's too much money in Chatswood. It won't get shut down.
1: That's true. It's well, not. Um, what, what did the guy say yesterday in the morning? Uh, it's people of a certain background. It's people of no. other backgrounds. Sorry.
2: <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. I love how uh, they said it. Brilliant. They
1: said that it's racist, the, what they're doing. Um, yeah. But, and then they're like, no, it's not. <laughs>
2: but Just quickly, it. though, unrelated yes. to that, but some good news out of um, this last week for us on the show is that uh, Paramount Plus has dropped for us. Um, for some of us, it's new to us, and for some of us, it's carried over from what Ten was called Ten All Access or in the US CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. Um Indeed. and it's it's okay. It's good for me, who's a fan of Survivor. I'm now watching lots of <laughs> Survivor. Uh, and, you have forty uh, yeah.
0: seasons to watch.
2: <laughs> well, I, well, I've got to try and watch. I've got to try and finish evenly to the end of a season before Sarah gets here, in case she chooses to watch me, or at least I can watch it on my own with her not wanting to watch it. Um, much better situation. So let's let's wait and see what happens, though. But yes, it's good to have something like that. Anyway, um, we should get cracking on this episode because we really should. We got really some bits pitch, a... on some things and some stuff and something else as well. Drew, take it away yes
0: i like how you put that well look okay so guys you may recall a few weeks back i said i had a story to tell you regarding cola as currency
2: i'll never be able to escape this subject will we?
0: no well (laughs) maybe one day but today is not that day
1: so is there actually a case of it happening
0: not exactly but it's going down a similar path so Back in 1959, at the height of the Cold War, Pepsi got caught in the middle of a fight between the Americans and the Soviets, and wound up becoming the object of the Soviets' affection.
2: How the the hell does that happen, Drew?
0: (laughs) Right. So, in 1959, then-President Dwight Eisenhower attempted to show the Russians how nice it would be to become a capitalist nation, not a communist one. So the U.S. arranged the American National Exhibition in Moscow to showcase the best American products to the Soviets.
2: How did they let that happen? But anyway, continue.
0: I, I think it's genius that, that this... I, I'm guessing they allowed this because they were coming off of their partnership in World War Two.
2: Yeah, but, um, but Cold War, no, we're not actually going to entertain this. But, okay, yeah, continue, go on.
0: <laughs> I know where you're coming from. Um, but, like, then President, or then Vice President, Richard Nixon, attended the exhibit. Being Nixon, of course, rather than placating the Soviets, things uh, came to a head when a bitter argument about capitalism versus communism got the better of both parties so um in a move of both desperation and exasperation nixon steers his russian counterpart and leader of the soviet union nikita khrushchev to the pepsi kiosk donald m kendall who at the time was pepsi cola's head of international operations serves khrushchev a pepsi and so the wheels were set in motion
1: So, did the Soviet Union really start getting supplies of Pepsi, like, straight away?
0: Well, funnily enough, it took another 15 years for the rest of the Soviet leaders to get on board with it. But once they did, they became desperate to source supplies of it for the country. Um, They opened up their first bottling plant in the USSR in 1974. The only catch was they were still importing the syrup, and at the time, Soviet money was not recognized as legal tender around the world.
2: Huh, really? How? My question then, on on that basis, if they're gonna pay for, if they're gonna buy something with money that's not recognized as real money, one, how the hell do you, oh, I see where this is going, okay. How the hell did they pay for this? That's my question, that's what my question was.
0: Well, uh, what is the most well known export from Russia?
2: Vodka? <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Precisely. <laughs> no. Yeah. Hold on. So in Hold the- on. No,
1: no, no, no. No, no, no. Because Pepsi and vodka taste terrible together. For some reason, yes, but- when you add vodka to Pepsi, like vodka and Coke just taste like alcoholic Coke, but vodka and yep. Pepsi taste like tastes like vodka. like syrup. It tastes like vodka with. But this is
0: bartering. This is a straight swap.
1: Mm, I don't know. They're not putting them together. They're just
0: swapping them. Yeah,
1: but it's it's Um, not a good mix.
0: No. What
1: what did Pepsi um, do with all that vodka?
0: Drink it. Well, actually, Pepsi expanded in expanded their brand in the USSR and started selling vodka as well.
2: (laughs) So So, sell it back to them.
1: So they sold yeah. it back to
0: them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But what
1: do they do um, with that money?
2: Oh, true, because the money's not worth anything. Just hold on to it till it's worth something. They should I'm have exported it, it and sold it to the other
1: it. nations as Russian vodka.
0: They probably did, to be honest.
1: Sorry, continue. Um,
0: <laughs> that's all right. Um, look, the the Soviets were paying for the Pepsi with vodka. And this is great. It worked for a while. But, you know, over time, the demand for Pepsi in the USSR only grew, and it grew exponentially. So, by 1989, there wasn't enough vodka to pay for the amount of Pepsi they wanted. So, the Soviets did what any desperate country would do. They exchanged part of their naval fleet.
1: They- Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) How the fuck- is a naval like, fleet. No. Not
0: just that. Like, <laughs> Why the fuck, Bianca? Could you, you can't make this stuff up. Could
1: you imagine being so desperate for cola for that cola. you for cola that you would actually if it was Coca Cola, yeah, yeah, no Pepsi's shit. Let me just start off with saying this. I don't like Pepsi comparatively to Coke.
2: Imagine if they had Coca Cola at this fair. Man, poor different story.
1: How do you Maybe. exchange a naval fleet for, I don't know, it's not computing. The vodka, at least I understood, it was a drink for a drink. But what the fuck is Pepsi going to yeah. do with a naval fleet? How, do the right, f- well, how did they use that? Okay. Sorry.
0: So to, to be absolutely precise, they traded 17 submarines- One frigate, one cruiser, and one destroyer for $3 billion worth of Pepsi. So this then made Pepsi the sixth largest military in the world. The exchange became so legendary that Pepsi's head joked to the US National Security Advisor, we're disarming the Soviets faster than you are.
1: Could you imagine being the security advisor for a second? Sorry, this is just mind-blowing to me. Could you yeah. imagine being the head of the American s- national security and being like, you know, we we really need to get rid of these, Amer- we, these Russian naval fleets that are, you know, in our waters. They're coming too close. We need to somehow make sure their military doesn't grow. And then the CEO... Or whatever the fuck his name, the the head of Pepsi yep. just waltzes into your office and is like, they've spent years making these plans to disarm the naval fleet and to disarm, you know, all of Russia's military and all that, and the guy from Pepsi just walks in and is like, Hey, guess what I did over the weekend? <laughs> not,
2: not just that, Bianca, but imagine imagine the US being like, Oh my god, they're a, a Russian or USSR fleet of of ships. <laughs> On our doorstep, what are we going to do? And Pepsi rocks up and goes, what are you talking about? There are ships. What? Yeah, those, those ones over there. Look at binoculars. Look at the flag. Oh, my God. That's not a USSR flag. That's a Pepsi flag. Oh, what the hell do you guys have <laughs> those ships for? Give okay, them, Pepsi. What are they
0: well, going mean, to do with them? It's all the red, white, and blue flying. <laughs>
1: what, what would they do with them? Seriously, wait, what the hell happened to that fleet? Do they still have them well, to this day? Do they shoot their video? You know how they no. do their football clips. Every yeah, year they that on, do the, that on their 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 Super Bowl clips. Like, is that yeah. the set design for one of them?
0: I wish that would be magnificent. But look, our, they they were the sixth largest military for a very brief moment. But they then went ahead and sold the fleet to a Swedish company for scrap recycling.
2: Ah, oh, come on! Could they not have? Would it, okay, wouldn't look, they? I, look, what, why wouldn't have you used it? Well, like yeah, like sold I, in it in terms t- of war. I appreciate that, but wouldn't it have been smarter to like sell it to another country to use? I
0: would think so, but at the same time, if, I, I get.
1: If I was the head of Pepsi. I would fucking use them. I'd just be like, "Hey guys, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do like Bomb a promo Col- on a submarine <laughs> or something oh, like that." Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, can you can you imagine just being like, "Ah, oh, fuck it, let's go fire some missiles." Like, why not? They're ours. Yeah. I want to see. I
1: want to see this movie.
0: Just target all the all the boats shipping Coca Cola worldwide.
2: I just can't believe that that the that that Pepsi were kind of like engaged in 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 this sort of contracting without money. Yeah. Like it's just it's yeah. very trustworthy to be like, oh yeah, that'll be worth something. Sure, we'll have it. Oh, you want to give us vodka? Oh, yeah, right. No worries. That w- we'll take a barter like Pepsi. Let's go yeah. going to the shops now and bartering Pepsi for like. <laughs> a can of beer or something like that. They're like, I'll give you a can of Pepsi for a can of beer. Like, it's not going to work. I just
1: remembered the episode of an off the office where he walked in with a tack. And <laughs> Dwight walks into the garage saying Oh, when he trades up. And he keeps trading oh, yeah. until he gets the telescope. And he gets so excited for the telescope. And then Jim tricks him into getting mm. the magic beans. <laughs> the
2: whole the thing.
1: The legumes, not the beans. The legumes.
2: The whole thing was for nothing in the end. Oh,
1: and he God. he's walking away with the with the legumes and the telescope, and Jim just goes, "Leave the telescope."
2: <laughs> <laughs> but poor Dwight, he almost knows he's been taken for a, like a full bit, but he's still just got to do it. But I absolutely oh, love like in the post the captain as going well. down with the sinking ship. Yeah,
1: I love in the post credits as well when he plants the seeds in the pot outside the office, and then Jim comes after he leaves with the fully grown trees (laughs) like he keeps going
2: he's just fucking with him further yeah oh dear but hang on drew that what this what this topic means or what this 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 thing that you brought to us means is that i guess that that topic that we've had from the very beginning now has absolute precedence because it has been used as currency i guess or at least in the cola hasn't
1: been used as currency but pepsi has been
0: Coca, Pep, yeah, Pepsi. Coca Pepsi been, has been bartered successfully. <laughs>
2: yeah, so the Coca one hasn't, but the Pepsi one has.
0: Well, think of it this way. Oh, Pepsi, what did you, uh, what did you do of prominence in the eighties? Oh, well, we became the sixth largest military in the world. Oh, cool, cool, cool. That's very good. And 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 you, Coke. Well, we brought out new Coke and. It was a disaster. Then we went back to old Coke.
1: I'm just saying, <laughs> Pepsi also <laughs> burnt Michael Jackson's face off in the 80s. So you know, you win some, you lose
2: some. <laughs> no, you'll have to say is that. that again. Wait,
0: is that in the win or the loss category?
1: I think that's a loss. No, um, the, the, the the they he they there was that Pepsi commercial accident where Michael Jackson yeah, where a, got really badly. His face was set on fire. Yeah, set on fire.
2: How yeah. does one's face get long- set on fire? Um, well, I mean, plastic lighting- burns quite easily. Okay.
1: Something happened with the lighting and it... No, no, this was before he had plastic surgery, I think. This was what set him on the road to so plastic surgery was... This is
2: back when he looked he-
0: good. Did- yeah. Oh, he'd already started having a little bit of the tampering done. Did he? Yeah.
1: Okay, well, yeah. Um. at that point, he he didn't look bad at that point. Um, No,
0: no, no, this is Thriller era. He still looked good.
1: Yeah, and then the... I don't know what happened with the lighting, but something fell on him and it burnt... Mm. Like, the lighting fell on him and it was on fire and it burnt some of his face off.
2: I'm sorry, but right now I'm just Googling Michael Jackson because I need to see him. Are are there photos of him in the halfway stage? What do you mean? Like when he was gray if that makes sense does that make sense
1: it does but i i it happened very slowly over the years
2: and do we think that he does he really have vitiligo or is he totally full of shit and it is literally just bleached skin um the medical um information that's been
0: released about it was that he did have it yeah, but, and but not
2: to that to to that extent though well he went on
0: he went on Oprah and like years 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 ago and showed his skin where you could see the pigmentation
1: so here's and the yeah, thing but, that but I think ha- happened hang
2: on hang on bianca, just just quickly but to to drew's point then for him to to for him to defend the way he looks. He also never said he had nose surgery to the point where his nose looked like it was a, a I don't know, like a chuck or something like that. Yeah. Like, like a wedge. His nose looked appallingly bad. Like, it looked like, it, I don't think it worked. Yeah.
1: Uh, it fell off, didn't it, at one point? Like, it actually fell off. They, they They said that it fell off.
2: That was South Park.
1: Was it? I thought that was real.
2: I don't know. Oh god. They've um, got your nose and then he he the kid took his blanket took his nose off.
1: Maybe I'm mixing fantasy and reality again. Um but no, look, I think with Michael Jackson I think that he um, had vertigo I can't say the word vertigo, vertigo. Vertiligo. Vertigo. I think he had vertigo and some people who have vertiligo and who have very dark skin, you can't darken skin well, but you can bleach it. So I'm just mm. betting he had it and then he bleached his skin to make it even.
2: I agree then. Yeah. And
1: yes, I had to look it up, but his nose didn't fall off, but it was basically so bad that he had to wear a fake nose at one point because he had no cartilage left, and his cartilage was exposed.
2: That's revolting. Yeah. Um, Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You've had uh, a trip to the University of Michael Jackson and Pepsi as the sixth largest military on the world. Uh, Speaking of universities. Yeah, speaking of, Uh, we'll be back.
1: We'll be back with more about you.
2: Indeed. Have you ever wondered how we come up with all this amazing podcast content? Well, today, we're going to reveal our secret to you. Meet the Podcast Topic Generator, or, as we like to call it, the PTG. This handy little device just takes random, jumbled words that we speak and turns them into full-blown podcast topics. And now it can do the same for you. Order yours online today.
1: Last week, we talked about the cost of living and it brought up a couple of other conversations about the things that we pay for and something that I happen to pay for is a student loan without a degree. That's right. I never got my degree, but I did go to university. Um, Now, I don't, again, I don't have that degree, but I do have a fairly okay career, um, which is something a lot of people back in high school told us we couldn't have. And this brought up the question of, is university really useful or is it just big a big money pit
2: well i think first of all is what what did you study and then why did you quit
1: Okay so i studied many things to be honest um i didn't know what i wanted to do um i started in psychology and then tried business i ended up in music for a couple of years and then i had a nervous breakdown because studying is very hard mm-hmm. went back and tried psychology again then remembered why I quit it in the first place and then tried publishing and then quit for a final time and threw myself into the work- workforce. To be honest, I quit because the last time I was studying, I kind of felt really far behind at that point. Um, mm. All my friends had graduated and all the classes I was going to, everyone was really 18 and op- really like optimistically 18. And I was very, very jaded and 24. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I was also pr- doing pretty good. I was also getting pretty good money at that point from freelancing and doing marketing through freelancing and traveling and being social. So I was just kind of like, i um, I just gave up uni at that point because um, the pressures of it and studying and exams and assessments they just really weren't for me. And I had a massive debt from trying everything.
2: Well, well, on that then, does does that not answer the question of whether it was, you know? Well, does that answer the question of whether or not it it's, um, it's useful or not useful?
1: Before we get fully into that, I guess I thought I was going to ask you two. I said my story. So what about you two? Because what did you guys do? Did you study? What did you study? Why? Drew?
0: All right. So I didn't uh, complete year 12 for whatever reason. I had commenced a pathways course through University of New England, however, about halfway through that, I found that I was I was having to work because I needed to earn money for, you know, life reasons. And I found that studying and working together, I was just struggling with it, so I stopped doing the pathways course. Then I found myself a year or two later, out of work and with an opportunity to study again. So I took up studying film, which is what I always intended to do. However, I was traveling to North Sydney TAFE from the Blue Mountains every day. And um, between that and a very pregnant girlfriend at the time, it became very hard to keep that up as well. So I had to stop doing that and go back to job hunting full time until I found work and again looking after pregnant girlfriend
2: Um, and Phil mine I was a bit more simple I um, had no idea what I wanted to do didn't get the um, ATAR or UAI or the the university um, you know mark the the, the score that you need to get into university or study certain things at university didn't get that high enough of a mark so I didn't I wasn't able to do that Um, so I went and studied radio for, um, I ra- started radio for a year and then, um, in the meantime got a job at the place where I have a job at, um, and, uh, then at the end of that year of radio, not a lot had come from it. Um, I got an, I actually got an offer, um, for a job in that, but then never got, got hired on that, which is fine. Um, it's down in Canberra, I believe. <clears throat> um, but, uh, yeah, nothing came of that. And then I, um... I, I then started doing some work with my uh, TAFE teacher actually, and um, then just basically to keep keep the skills up um, while while looking for something. And then um, yeah, nothing ended up coming of that. And uh, then I went and worked full time where where I worked for many years. And um, and that was that was fine. It is what it is. Um, you know, it means that I didn't didn't ever go to university or anything like that, but I don't really regret it, having seen what Sarah had to go through at, with, for university. And, and not guesswork, but just unnecessary things that she has to learn in order to achieve the, the, what she's looking for for her degree. And it's like, what the hell is all this other stuff? It's the same at school teaching you pythagoras theorem when you know really you should be learning literally what you need to know about life and everything and all the things like how to, how to do
0: a tax return yeah instance. but
2: but instead she was yeah. having to learn sarah's having to learn about um, essentially take up an engineering course in order to do um, environmental science but she had to do engineering and when i say engineering i mean the maths of engineering not not oh yeah but environmental science i can see the connection she had to work out how building codes operated that's nothing to do with it it's just all a bit ridiculous so i was just looked at it and kind of went yeah good thing that's not me yeah
1: <laughs> well yeah so that that that's actually kind of what i found when i was doing my degrees when i was studying things that I kind of were like, this is useless and mm. I don't understand how this is going to teach me how to work. Well, at the same time, I was working and I was working in offices and working in um, companies and doing kind of st- stuff like that. And none of the stuff I was working, I was studying, none of the stuff I was learning at university was correlating to anything that I did in the office. Mm. And one of the things that I did notice is that when people were coming through offices who had just graduated they were doing like a lot of stuff weirdly hmm. that made no sense and it's because that's what they'd learnt in uni to do like um, oh, what's a good example oh uh, like whenever I used to get meet people who just recently graduated from their graphics course
3: yeah yeah
1: Um, And I used to work... Well, I still do work in marketing. I just work in a different sector of it now. Um, But when I was working in graphics and stuff, they used to look at client briefs and be really confused by them. Because client briefs are nothing like briefs that you get at university where they're very detailed and very specific. Mm. No, no. Client briefs are shit. They're vague and they mean nothing and you don't have any creative freedom with them even though they're super vague you get you go and you talk to the client and you're like what do you want me to do and they give you a brief and then you do what the brief says and then you send it to back back to them and they're like that is nothing what i wanted <laughs> and that's how it works in real life and uni does not set you up for that at all in that regard but again these are all our experiences and i was uh, I, I think i think that the three of us don't have jobs or aren't going to have jobs that need degrees. Even me working in marketing. I don't think marketing needs a degree, to be honest. Um, no,
0: I, th- I think you're absolutely right on that front. Certainly, um, you know, our fields of interest are all ones that are better served by on-the-job training and experience than anything exactly. else. But, but I'd like... I, I th- mean, obviously... Yeah, sorry.
1: Sorry, go, go, go.
0: Go, go, go. Well... I was just going to say, like, obviously there are certain jobs where there needs to be some form of university or uh, higher education that um, that works to those specialties. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I I would like to say that, that if you could imagine, say, for example, um, think about like a doctor, for example, without them going to university. Imagine that for a second. What what the hell would that look like? How I mean, I, obviously there's 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 probably like the TAFE side of it for us, or like the creative, not creative college, the it's, technical it's college called, side.
0: It's called Doctor Nick
2: good point yes yeah sure but think but But think about the technical side of it um and so there look that we have technical college in australia which isn't university it is a much more affordable um option but but basically it's it is literally the bare bones the thing that you need to learn is what you learn there you don't get all the other faff around it um you know yeah you it, get the
0: essentials
2: yeah and and so I think that that doctors if they went to there instead would would be pretty good I would be concerned about the sort of people that would be able to go because it's open for everybody really um mm. but I do think that that I mean it just it would be a very different world that's for sure I mean I, I think that it would be a lot harder to to scale pay or the pay that someone get gets based on on the absence of university so then yeah I think I think, I think of doctors mm-hmm.
1: I think doctors, lawyers, uh, psychologists. Then there's like scientists who I believe need. I I think that a lot of their degrees could be shifted to something more practical. I think for like the mathematics side of it, they need degrees. But I think that there's a lot of sciences, especially like anthropology, archaeology and all that, Hmm. where you probably could get away with just like. Learning but, on the job,
2: but on that Bianca, though, do you think? Do you think university degrees, are in some ways, you know how they often go for like four years or something like that? Um, more if you're into like something like medical. Do you think in some some parts the time is literally to try and weed out people that are, are you know kind of in it for a minute sort of thing, or, or do you think that? Do you think that there's an element of? Um, you know, the more the more detail um, or the longer something goes, the higher the risk or the requirement for university. Do you think it has to do with risk? So like engineers, for example, well, there's a lot of risk because if they do a shit job, a building could fall down if they're that sort of engineer, of course. Um, if but, a, but if you a, think
1: about it, an engineering degree doesn't take six years. An engineering degree takes the standard four.
2: But but do you think that, that the fact that it's a university degree at all... Um, has to do with the risk involved rather than the content of the course
1: look i think engineering degrees didn't exist about 60 70 years ago Mm -hmm. but then again so did neither did um massive uh like skyscraper tower kind of things
3: Mm
1: -hmm. i think I do think university degrees have their place when it comes to those harder things. I don't necessarily think the time of it is to weed people out. I think Mm. for medical degrees, at the very least, it's to allow you to... Because if you think about medical degrees, first you study the medical degree and then you study your specialisation. That's why it takes you so long. Um, It's not just about studying... Medicine, it's because then you have to specialize in a certain type of medicine. We
2: don't have to if, if you, you want to, to become a GP.
1: No, you don't have to if you want to become a GP, but you do have to do your practicals. You do have to do your, um, if you even even becoming a GP is a specialization, which okay. is why they have still like four, eight, they still do eight years or something. Yeah. Uh, and you have to get your doctorate, and the doctorate is extra study. And I don't discount that, like that's legitimate. But then there's stuff like, like I said, marketing, I really don't think you need a degree for marketing. I think maybe you need a degree to, you know, learn how to communicate with people because some people are just unable to do that. That's just an insult on people. You don't need a degree to (laughs) communicate with people. Um, But like, (laughs) yeah, marketing degrees, I'm pretty sure, are just as useless as um, arts degrees. But then again, arts degrees teaches you critical thinking. And I think critical thinking is something we need to learn, but I don't know if it necessarily needs to be through a degree. I think we all should just learn critical thinking mm-hmm. at some point in our life and being a young adult and learning critical thinking versus being a teenager and learning critical thinking is different. I won't say yeah. that it isn't. Um. But yeah I, I don't know I, I think I think that degrees are useful for some occupations and necessary for other occupations you're completely right. Archit- like engineers need degrees so do architecture uh, architecture students and like stuff like that. they need degrees to be able to. Know how to do things safely and instruct safely. But at the same time, there is something to be said as of, you know, builders should be able to have a career path into engineering. Does uh, this make sense?
3: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: And I also think nurses should have a career path into becoming a doctor without yeah. going back to uni that yeah. extensively does you, that make sense yeah you
2: think there should be a, a like um a natural kind of not natural evolution but a, but a but a,
0: a progression yeah
2: like a work prog- progression from one position to another not necessarily that that um nurse is below doctor i'm not saying that or or um no
1: but if you've already studied to become a nurse yeah because that do- you need to study to become a nurse um And in the case of a builder, you need to do a trainee, you need to do apprenticeship, you need to do like certain things to become a builder or a plumber or anything.
2: Mm.
1: Maybe within those ranges, there's a natural progression to becoming something with a fully-fledged degree without going to university that extensively.
2: Yep, I agree. That,
1: That should be more optional because not everyone learns in assessments. And I think that's something I had to forgive myself for because the assessments and the exams were stressing me out Mm. um and that's why i couldn't finish uni like to be honest like that whole thing really was detrimental
2: frustratingly ridiculous method and way of doing things
1: it's just it's a lot of pressure and it doesn't work for everyone and i would honestly sometimes be sitting there knowing everything that i needed to know because I'd studied and I wouldn't be able to write anything down because of anxiety, and that was, and I was failing things because of that, and that gave me more stress, and then I'd have to work harder in assessments, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then group assignments. I don't know what I don't know how doing a group assignment should help you get a degree, because just some people in group assignments are terrible.
2: It teaches you that there are pieces of shit out there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's your life experience there. But I, I don't know. I just think there should be. And even if there's pathways into getting degrees, maybe you can use this. Again, if you've been a nurse for five or six years, you can do um, a pre-assessment to see how many credits you need to Mm. get rather than, you know, maybe you only need 10 more credits until you get your degree, or maybe you need 15 instead of the whole whopping 40 because you know all of this stuff beforehand.
2: Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree with that.
1: Yeah.
0: I'd, I'd I I just like I'd, to see more pathways in general.
1: Yeah, just and also the fact that do you really need like when people are hiring you do they really need to see your degree? Yeah. Like not see your degree. Do they really need to hire someone with a degree? For yeah, every what job that,
2: what does that prove that like do they think that it proves that they're a harder worker than someone else or they're willing to go through and commit to something for a longer period of time? Like I don't think so. I don't think that means anything.
1: I really hate when I apply for jobs and it says you need a degree for this Mm. when I have occasionally have had like nine years experience in that particular role
3: Mm.
1: and I've gone to apply for that job and they're like, Oh, but you don't have a degree. So they hire someone who comes straight out of university with no experience and I'm not saying those people don't deserve jobs.
2: No, but you're they've done good things. Yeah. But
1: how how do how do you can how do you equate nine? How how do you not equate nine years experience to four years of a degree?
2: Yeah, I no, I yeah. totally agree with that. Totally agree with that.
1: Yeah, and again, it, it, this is not for things like doctors. This is things for like, you know, if you have an arts degree, and then that's you, as good as you
2: know, doing an arts degree is as good as going to take for just the consecutive years. <laughs> mm.
1: Doing an arts degree is like. Sadly, it is like going to TAFE but for no reason yeah. and just spending more money. Yep. You yep. should have just... You probably learnt more at TAFE.
2: Yep. That's true, actually. That's true. The joys of an arts degree. How disappointing for again, going with arts degrees. Again, TAFE is the practical
0: education. Yes.
1: Yeah, I think, I think having more things like TAFE where... Because TAFE, uh, you know, uses your apprenticeship to add to your... Like overall yep. assessment. You just yep. have to show up to work and you get marks.
3: Hmm.
1: And, you know, you learn things at work and it's a bit more practical. And I think some people need that more than but sitting that's in a because, classroom and learning.
0: But that's because so much of TAFE is about um, building the transition into a job, whereas university is about taking that journey to getting the slip of paper at the end when it's TAFE the the slip of paper means very little it's more to do with the end result being that you wind up in that job and and that goes across the board with TAFE Phil you said you had an offer when you completed your radio course Mm -hmm. because that is the idea a lot of TAFE teachers are people within the industry that are or or whatever the industry is, that they're in there doing this, and that's their way of bringing more people into that area. Rather than just getting an education in it, they want hands-on people who will get the experience and be able to take what they've learnt and put it into practice as they're learning it. That's why there is so much emphasis on... TAFE using your practical work toward your marks. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, look, I, I I'm a massive advocate of TAFE and what TAFE is. Um, mm. Again, I can't comment directly on university and and its shortcomings because I didn't go. But but I, I I think that TAFE is is a more efficient way of doing things.
1: I I didn't oh, go absolutely. to TAFE, but I actually have to agree because. I know a lot of people who stepped out of university and still don't have jobs uh, or especially don't have jobs in their chosen degree, which I think is sad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually have a very good friend who has two degrees and is now a secretary. And, you know, that, you know, how do you... She probably knows more than all of us and she can't get a job, whereas... You know, I know other people who have worked 15 years and have no degrees and they also can't get a job because they're losing out to people with degrees. So I don't know how it balances and checks, which is where I get confused. But some fun facts, just Mm because I thought these were interesting. The three oldest universities in the world are the University of Bologna, which opened in 1088, um, the University of Oxford, which was 1096 Mm -hmm. and University of Spain, which was 1134.
0: Wow. Um,
2: They're so old. (laughs)
1: So
0: yeah.
1: old, and it's really weird to think that people have been going to university for that long.
0: You think any of them have got their degree yet?
1: Oh, a couple of them <laughs> might have. That,
2: know. that point <laughs> at the end that you just made yeah blows my mind. People have been going to universities for that long. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Mm. crazy. Goodness me, old. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, it look that the the desire for knowledge or furthering one's knowledge is um is is a a natural thing, and we all do it. We all, we all want to be part of that. So, yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant that it goes back as far as that. Let's see what the future brings for universities and stuff like that. Yep.
1: Hopefully they'll change their model soon. I just think they should.
2: I agree. Anyway, back after this.
0: And once again, it's time for What the Quote. Now, of course, last week's quote went a
2: little something like this.
1: If life were predictable, it would cease to be life and be without flavour
2: yes indeed now that was by Eleanor Roosevelt
0: indeed it was
2: now uh, Philip what is this week's quote? don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone
1: and if you know what that magical quote is from please reach out to us on any of our socials Facebook Twitter Insta Etcetera. Um, anyway, on
2: with the show. So, we have a list, Drew and I. Um, a list that uh, contains films that Bianca has not seen. On that list in particular is one of Drew and I's favourite films. An absolute Tom Hanks classic, Cast Away. Ah,
0: uh, yes. Now, a classic and an absolute favorite. So, of course, we decided to make her watch it. I say make her watch it, but we we strongly advised that it would be a wonderful segment. And, of course, Phil and I decided to watch it because it's wonderful.
1: Hold on. Didn't I just say, let's do this as a segment, and one of you could just pick what movie i have to watch this week? Yes. Okay, cool. I watched it, and you're welcome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, thank you very much. And now we will review it. Um, I say... We must review it. Uh, more like reflect on it. Well, I mean, look, it, it could be a review. Let's see. Um, we're going to look deeper at the film Castaway, And we do have um, scores on what we think of the film. Um, it is an absolute favorite of Drew and I's, mm. as you know. So, uh, as we've said, so um, review... Positively, I'm going to assume. But of course, Bianca is the um, contrarian here because it is a new thing to her. So she doesn't have the nostalgia factor along with it.
0: Indeed. Now, um, if you haven't seen the film, unfortunately... I don't know. Yeah, let's say unfortunately. There'll be some spoilers ahead. But really, you can't be mad at us. The film's been out for 21 years. Yep. Now... Directed by Robert Zemeckis and starring Tom Hanks, Helen Hunt, and a Wilson volleyball, Hanks plays (laughs) Chuck Noland, a dedicated, work-obsessed systems analyst for FedEx, trying to be a great partner, a great employee, and deal with an annoying toothache. On Christmas Eve, Chuck is rushed off on a job, flying out on a FedEx flight to Malaysia. Somewhere over the Pacific way off course due to a storm, the plane goes down, only Chuck survives. Upon washing up on a deserted island, Chuck must learn to survive, from cracking open a coconut to making fire and shelter. Ever dedicated to his job, or perhaps in shock and disbelief that he's stranded on this island, he recovers washed-up FedEx packages. He eventually opens all but one angel wing decorated FedEx package, opening a Wilson volleyball, which during a bloody outburst he throws, happening to leave a bloodied handprint on the ball with a faint outline of eyes and a mouth. Wilson becomes his friend. Oh, and by the way, the toothache becomes a problem. Four years later, Chuck eventually escapes the island back to reality but out of his element all over again, alone and not of this world. He's as lost in the world as he was on that island.
2: Yes, there you go. Thank you, Drew, for that fine uh, synopsis, I guess, um, or plot. Um, the, I guess the way we should look at this is we'll have three, three different points of discussion. The first one, um, first point, basically... Um, the film, the film I think does, um, or something that I want to discuss with you guys, and this is kind of my view, um, is that the film highlights both his time before being on the island um, and 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 then his time on the island, obviously, and then also his time off the island and after the island. Um, but what it shows before and after the island is, is the convenience of everyday life. Um, you know where you see beforehand you know he's obviously there um it's christmas eve him and um, kelly are trying to work out a schedule of when they can be together again they come up with the idea of, of new year's eve there's there's the background chatter heartbreaking chatter of um, his best friend talking about how his partner has cancer and um, chuck then talks about how hey i know of a really good surgeon in, in atlanta i'll get his number for you um you know just there's just things he's making plans about life um life is easy he has a pager um there's vehicles he can get on a plane and relax and he's getting flown to the other side of the world like everything about that he everything that he does highlights to us the audience just how convenient life is even he has a band-aid on his thumb and they show him Dealing with a cut that he's got on his thumb. A tiny little cut that you can see on his thumb that's healed over and he's peeling a band-aid off of that. He's got things like a band-aid to protect that. Um, and and so we see this and then post the island, we see him with crab legs and he, he just can't believe it how this thing's just been prepared for him. Um, there's and a- ice in a glass.
0: And a lighter.
2: And a lighter, and, and electricity, and the light turns on and off, and the beds are super comfortable, so well, too soft, so he sleeps on the floor. Like mm. there's just this this contrast between life before life on the island, and then also life after it, and 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 this this shift. What I think though that the film does really well um, is. It's almost scary because of how realistically this film portrays it. There's no there's no kind of Hollywood to anything. There's nothing like he's a he survives on the island because he's superhuman or he um you know his real life is he's a multimillionaire or something like that. He's just a normal guy, a normal guy played in a very normal way by Tom Hanks and we see the shift of life. You know? Mm-hmm. Like there's the, it's the realism of the movie is what makes it so heartbreaking because you sympathize with a real person it feels like
1: yeah you're right he wasn't like a you know he wasn't an army vet or someone who had any of these practical skills he was just a dude who delivered packages yeah an everyday and he kind of knew things
2: yeah there was no coincidence to his situation he wasn't he wasn't remarkable in any way he just yeah it's a freak accident die. yeah and he didn't die that was the that was the total you know the fact that he washes up on the beach in jeans mm. and a woolen Christmas jumper That's what he ro- washes up in Can you imagine being saturated On a de- deserted island In jeans and a woolen jumper And, and oh. like, Misery he's just So caught off guard mm-hmm. And again he was just caught off guard This wasn't meant to happen And he was in this situation And that's the thing that I think this film does so well Is it does that in very subtle ways it just it highlights how normal this guy's life was and Mm. the fact that and i really noticed it on this viewing i mean i've watched it about probably five or six probably more than that times yeah but i really focused on this time the attention to detail about how life was supposed to just go on before the crash happened they really let you pay attention to that or really let you in that these little things were happening yeah the friend whose wife has cancer they will get his number for you. They set be his right back.
0: They set his scheduled future up.
1: The schedule yeah. was a really good scene because it just shows how much it it, it shows not a it, in that one scene you can see how much he is always off like away because Helen Hunt's yeah. character, whose name I've forgotten now, um, Kelly. Kelly, yeah, Kelly, completely is just like, yep, I'm on board with this. I know what I'm doing. This is this is how we do it. As soon as you're going away, we're just pulling out our schedules and we're figuring it out. And yeah. so she's mm. used to him being gone for long periods of time. Um, yeah, the life runs, sets runs sets to up, a clock. Yeah, and it also sets up the fact that, you know, they are planning their life together and... Mm. They are planning this future together and that's their life and they're fine with that that's this is their they're a couple they're a thing and I, I think you're right Phil because I, I as you were saying this I just realized there's actually this film even though it's a full film could essentially be two episodes of a TV show
3: mm-hmm. that
1: basically mirror each other if you think about the first half being him Showing his, you know, life as a FedEx guy, getting trapped on the island, how he survives the island, and then finishing it just before the four years later, mm. um, that being episode one, and then episode two being him, four years later, it shows his everyday life on the island now that he's been there for four years, how much he's changed, how much better he is at things, but this is his new normal, and then mm. he gets that uh por- is it a portaloo door?
2: Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. And then Bakersfield Bakersfield <laughs> um
1: and then he, you know, leaves the island but he's also got all these new skills that, you know, you can see he's made rope. He's knows how to make build things now. Like it's just cuz this has been his life for 4 years. That's all he does day in and day out. And then he gets back, and now now he has to relearn everything again. Like you can completely see how those two, side, those two halves of the movies kind of like mirror each other. Yeah, um, which I just find really interesting.
2: Yeah, you know, before the island life versus on the island life is the struggle, and then the second half is on the live, uh, on the island life is easy. off the island life is the struggle. It's yeah, as you said, Bianca. So it's, it's a mirror. It's a, the the central point of the movie when it says four years later after he's knocked that tooth out of his mouth, my God, what a scene! Um, after that point in the film, it flips, flips on its head, and he's an expert at one thing that he wasn't before, and now what he was an expert at, which is just living normal life in re- the real world, isn't there anymore. Um, I think it does it really well. I think the film does a super good job of that. I mean, and again. You know, I, the more I think about it, the more I think about how normal this guy's life wasn't when he said, I love you and, uh, and goodbye and hold on to this last gift for me, which we know was going to be an engagement ring. Yeah. Did she um, ever give Kelly. that
1: back? I genuinely thought she would have. We
2: don't see it. We don't see it. But but I guess, I guess maybe that's what she put into the, the coffin when they had his funeral, I guess. That's mm. what I but, assumed. But, but think about it though. Think, think, just think about the details of him saying, and even Tom Hanks acting in that scene. Because I think Tom Hanks, my parents and I had a full-on discussion about Tom Hanks being such a great actor at playing someone normal. Mm. And and I know that sounds weird, but think about, think about it. Tom Hanks plays a completely normal guy so well, and my God, when you compare Tom Hanks and the way he can play a normal guy to other people. It looks like playing a normal person because is really fucking hard.
0: He's the all-American everyman.
2: Yeah, and he, but again, and therefore he does it so well. But again, in that moment when he says "I love you," and then turns around and says, "I'll be right back," and he reaches in the car and kisses Kelly, and then starts walking away, saying, "I'll be right back." You think he's gonna come back? Like he he thinks he's coming gonna come back. And again, think about the time on the island then each day that he was there was getting further and further and further away from the reality that he knew and what was normal and everything and and through no control of his own his life back home was disappearing each day.
0: In that sense um, I I feel like that same sort of concept is represented in Interstellar as well with McConaughey.
2: And in fact in Interstellar I find that it's almost more obvious. They point, Yeah. they, they push that idea harder to create the panic and i think that if you compare the two then they also have a shorter of the panic
0: they also have a shorter a time window for a longer stretch of time to to explain it as well
2: correct exactly and so i think with castaway because it's based on the singular stepping out of reality kind of thing which is Mm. the island um the fact that it almost went unsaid was so much more powerful because it's up to you the audience to have that moment of panic and go, oh my God, like his life's disappearing. It also,
0: it also leaves us to, you know, ponder it afterwards and discuss it afterwards the way we are now.
2: Exactly. It's not spelling um, and then, it out. Look, it, in some ways, this leads to point two, um, which I've got, which is he never wins, mm, which again, no. I mentioned before, um, there is no Hollywood to this movie. There isn't any Hollywood to this movie because despite the, the only Hollywood thing is that he lived and he was the only one that lived. That's it. That's the only Hollywood to this movie. Besides that, he never wins. This is this is almost a European movie of sorts because it is like they it, have...
1: it is like a foreign film. Like
2: because they don't have a happy ending necessarily those films. They just end at the most random points. This one does have an ending, yes, but he never wins. His life is essentially over the moment. Yeah, that because it's in down.
0: because the story is in service of the story. It's not in service of the audience
2: correct and 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 again you know he spends so long on that island that by the time he gets back and he his entire time on the island the moment he washes up on that island he's trying to get home and then the moment he gets home and back to kelly this is a debate that we've got um because uh, bianca brought up a very interesting point about this topic when we were discussing this last week in fact mm. um before we recorded it um he spends the whole time on the island trying to trying to get back to Kelly. And when he does, he's lost her. And, you know, the loss is to reality. It's to the fact that life goes on and time goes on. And so suddenly he's back being lost again and without Kelly again. He's And he says that in the movie in such a sad kind of moment where Tom Hanks is miserable. Mm. He's happy to be back and everything. But at the same time, he's miserable because he's lost Kelly all over again. He lost her. The moment that plane went down, he lost her all over again. The moment he was back,
1: so you know? yeah. So but
2: Bianca, your point was interesting, and I would love to hear you bring that point up again. And it was based around the fact that Drew and I were of the understanding that he was spending his time trying to get back to Kelly. He had that Kelly uh, Kelly's grandfather's um, ring, uh, not ring, um, pocket watch, the watch with a picture of Kelly in it, and he looked at that photo all the time. He even painted a face on the wall in the cave, but you say contrary.
1: No, Drew said contrary. I agree with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you agree with me. Oh, s- my mistake. Sorry, Bianca. I'm glad you agree with me. Drew, you said contrary. What is your contrary point? I'm sorry. Why did I think it was Bianca?
0: You're glad Bianca just, agrees with you, not me.
2: I, I see how it is. <laughs> no, no. You see, I'm confused by it because normally, Drew, you would sympathize with the character more than you'd, you'd find the... Especially in a beautiful movie like this, you'd normally sympathise with the story more than be the devil's not devil's advocate, but but find the
0: yeah, yep. I I know what you mean, and normally, you know I mean? normally you and I are very much on the same page about these things. But my counter argument is that the whole movie is, shows one thing, and then he's making a claim at the end that I think contradicts it all. When mm-hmm. when he's expressing how it was the watch and it was kelly that that motivated him to stay alive and get back to her i don't think it was that at all i I think that what motivated him was just getting back and 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 the thing that gave him all of that, or or at least the majority of it, I'm, I'm sure getting back to Kelly is a portion of it, but I think Kelly is a piece of the puzzle. I think the whole thing is Kelly and his job and his life and working to his schedule. I think that it was his work and that concept that got him to survive. It's the... When you watch that first sequence with him... In Russia, where he's- Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Yeah, where, where he's, you know, motivating everyone. That whole sequence there is your insight into exactly how he survives, because he basically lays out the way, the way a life should be led, the way you should operate in all forms of your life- And he mirrors that in his time on the island. I I think there's no real difference. I think he is the same man on the island that he was when he got to the island. He doesn't change until he gets back home. Mm. When he gets back home, that's where it shifts. And I don't think that it was the watch that kept him going. I think it was returning that parcel with the wings on it. I think there's symbolism in the wings on there that he felt like there was an angel looking down on him. But I think that the motivation of dropping that parcel back, that's... Doing his job. That is really the thing that that got him home. And certainly when, when he gets back, he is a changed person. But I think it is the coming back that changes it. And I think the final nail in the coffin of changing who he is and becoming that new person and burying the old person is when he delivers that parcel. I think that with the delivery of that parcel, that is him closing the chapter of being the FedEx guy.
2: Drew, Drew, to kind of indulge in this, in this, um, this, this thought process then, I mean, I, I think you're, I think you're onto something in the sense that, you know, when he gets the, he gets the cross cross section on the road, Mm. having dropped off the package, He's no longer a man with a purpose anymore because now he's almost confused by which direction to go in because now he has no purpose. I think now he's got now he's got no idea. I
1: think you're I think you have half the puzzle there because I genuinely think that the reason why he got into this plane crash is because of his job. Yes, I don't. I don't think that he, I think, yes, he stayed the same person as he was. The whole, you know, this is how you got to do things. This is blah, 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 blah. Um, and then he found this package, that one package with the angel wings that. So if, oh, sorry, I've jumped ahead here. He is the person he is, you're right, because of his job. That's how he starts off. But when he first gets to the island, he ignores all of those packages, right? He, yep. if you remember, he actually only opens those packages a couple of weeks after he, or a couple of days, whatever the timeline is, after he gets mm. on the island. He's tried a lot of things before he goes and opens those packages. Mm. Um, and he's still trying to light fires, I think. I don't know. But he went, by the time he opens them, he's actually done a whole bunch of stuff. And most of the stuff that he's doing is he look, keeps looking at that photo of Kelly. I think. He, those packages somewhat reminded him. And when he saw that angel wing and he saw that there was that one package that kind of looked like it was very important compared to all the rest that just seemed very generic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He saw that one package and he was like, no, not this one. Cause this is who I am. Like, I shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. And he kept mm. that as a reminder of who he was. And. I think that that was what gave him hope that he used to be this person and he could be that person someday. And when he finally dropped that package back off, that was him finally... So he, when he came back, he lost Kelly, obviously, so he couldn't get that part mm. of his life back.
3: Mm. And
1: then he was like, well, I can't be the same person I was before. So that one package that reminded him of who he was before, he went and he left it and he that was it that was him i'm not that person anymore i now am going to move on from this whole experience and that's why he didn't know where to go i
2: i just i i think that one thing that that is i i see i say this a lot about films modern films versus films of you know i guess the turn of the century i guess um change of the millennium Mm. um Think of the detail or the depth of this story in that. So again, I talk about it not being so Hollywood. There's not such an obvious. So, you know, what we're discussing right now, what was the, what drove him to get back? um, What cost him everything? What, you know, this, that, the other. There's not a single, there's not a single thing. There's so many different elements of it. And it's that kind of making the audience not know the clear path as to why he's here and how to get back and what got him back and all that. It's the fact that there's not a single thing. It's not just Kelly. There is the debate. Was it his work? Was it the Wings? You know, is there is there something deeper beyond the idea of the, the person, the, the, the lady who runs the, the, um, the art shop with the, the Wings, who we see from the start and the end, her partner's cheating on her in Russia and therefore the the name's gone by the end of the movie and she's now on her own, I guess, and this package may have been the thing that saved his life. Does he go back to her when he sees the wings on the back of the car? You know, there's all this conjecture. What's no we won't we don't know the answer. And that's what I love about it, is that there's so many different possibilities as to why what happened happened and how it happened And all that sort of stuff
0: I I, th- um, I think you hit the nail on the head You, you likened it to a European film And I, I think it very much is Because it does something that Hollywood doesn't do But European films do And that is that it tackles the human condition And I like that it's muddled And mm-hmm. that there is no clear path not that simple. No, no, it's not And it's... It's about the stops being made along the way and that this film is a key example of that because it's showing the progression of these things that are happening over over this period of time and mm. how they affect him in different ways.
2: Um, the last point we'll get to then and then we'll get to our scores and also Drew, I want you to tell the audience the interesting tidbit about the film and how it came to be and what it led to. Of um, course. Because I think it's very important the audience, audience hears that. The film techniques. So I think that this movie does a really good job at um, showing isolation. Um, mm. You know, using wide shots on the island and panning around the island. Even fisheye lenses to some degree when he's at the very top of the island. To just show the absolute expanse and him being all on his own. Um, the way they show the shots of him sitting on the beach just to show... And and they really enhance the sound of the waves at certain points to show that there's nothing else going on. They turn his volume down to be low, so that way when he's shouting hello, it almost gets lost in amongst the waves because it's all just about him not being...
1: Can I say the most anything. frustrating scene was when that boat was coming by? Oh, and it was night the light, and the, the light, light and he's trying to tell them and all you can hear is the waves. Like he's shouting, but the waves are still pretty loud in that scene. Yeah. And that yeah. was so. I was just like, "No, let them see the him. boat. The let, boat. A look, go look." And the worst part is, you probably know that that's the boat that's looking through the plane crash.
2: Yeah, potentially it could, it could be like It's but, I, the other but, thing that I that I absolutely loved with this movie, and I didn't really notice it until really this time watching it. There is no film score besides the opening. Thirty seconds when we're following the package from the, the farm or the the art shop or mm-hmm. the art workshop, um, and that's just like a song. Um, there is no film score until he looks at the island for the last time. Yep. And I didn't notice that at all, but it's perfect. It's it, you just again. It's it's realistic. It's eerie. Yeah. It sells the it's,
0: concept of isolation.
2: Absolutely, it does. Like, man, this film does a great job. And then the writing again, we are just all the things that we've been talking about, the different possibilities as to why, or if there is no why, if it's all just coincidence or if it's all just elements of life, mm. bits of life, little bits of life that, that you know, um, embers in a fire that's left over at the end, you know, holding on to the end of his time on the island, yeah. Kelly or the box or the wings or whatever it is. Um, or wilson, him losing wilson when he does lose wilson oh that's painful um the watch. interaction with the whales <laughs> um the plane going down the tooth um, the tooth him again that being just a bit of a pain in the ass at the start and then it being such a component of his time where oh, he got to the point where he had to knock saying. that thing out yeah yeah that was oh. a terrible um,
1: scene like i nor didn't enjoy that one and they one.
2: showed it and they showed it um yeah, I, I, I just this this movie just does such a good job at at making you feel how he's feeling mm. and and it's the helplessness and it's the isolation. Um I don't know if there was anything else special in their that you noticed in terms of techniques, but
1: I think um even Wilson was a technique having Wilson. Um
2: I guess it, it was almost exposition of sorts for the audience. It was to explain what he's thinking or the situation to to give him an avenue to talk. Well, I yeah. don't
1: think it was just for that. I think it was because, well, yes, to give him an avenue to talk. But so in the second half, we find out that a year before, so, th- th- you know, what, at, w- one year before the four years, uh-huh. he tried to kill himself. And yep. that whole scene, if you didn't have Wilson there, and if you didn't have Wilson at all, explaining anything that happened in the four years would be near impossible until he got back from the island, until he got back to the mainland. So having Wilson there and having just that conversation of, you know, of course I know where there's an extra 38 feet of rope or whatever it is. Yeah. No, I don't want to go there. I told you I'm not going back there. Like that whole thing of where is he going? And then you go and see him pick up the... um. Dull or whatever that he tried to test hanging himself with Mm -hmm. and you somewhat guess what he did at that point or at least i did but then he goes back down and he even says it like you know i know i would have i wouldn't have snapped my neck it was too wasn't strong enough i wouldn't have snapped my neck Mm. and he goes through the exact thing that happened and you don't need to see it you don't need to you know,
2: But you get it. But you yeah, get it all, it. and it's
1: because he's telling yeah. Wilson. And it's how he can... And, and, and I like the technique because I think a voiceover in this film would have done it dirty.
2: Mm-hmm. Completely. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But having Wilson there as something that just Tom Hanks can stream his thoughts at without yeah. ever us hearing a reply, and it's kind of almost like he's talking to us...
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But he's not. But he's not. Um, yeah. Uh, my scores on the film. So technically, I'm going to give it a... I'll give it a 9. I mean, no, I'm going to give it a 10. I'm going to give it a 10. Get a 10 out of 10 for, for techniques because, again, I think that the way it uses um, the soundtrack, it uses sound, it uses the camera work... Um, the, the writing, though, is what I absolutely love the best. And that's why I love films of this sort of time, because it's just so much content mm. for a story that is, on the face of it, quite a simple story. But I love that so much. And Jurassic Park does the same sort of thing. It's why I love these sorts of films, because, um, yeah, just so content rich. And then it gets a 10 um, personally as well, because absolutely cannot fault that film in any way um i would love for it to have a happy ending but in some ways i love it so much more for the fact that we don't get a happy ending because it is it it is it want you want more but you'll never get it and you shouldn't get more
1: i yeah I, i completely agree with you i'd give it a 10 too to be honest yeah 10 from me i just think it It hit all the nail, it hit all its points and hit all the nails on the head. And it, I, I think I was messaging you guys when Wilson Mm. disappeared and I was just so (laughs) devastated. And I'm like, it's a fucking volleyball.
0: The best part was right, right before you did that, Phil and I were messaging separately going, wait till she finds out that Wilson's going.
1: (laughs) Oh, I wanted. And then a
2: minute later you sent that.
1: But it also makes sense that Wilson didn't go back with him because he'd be like that weird guy just holding a volleyball everywhere. But
2: again, Wilson disappearing was the plane crash. It was the separation of from one life to the other.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Um, Yeah. 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 10 out of 10 for me.
0: I, um, I hate to break a set. So, yeah, 10s across the board because for what it is, it is a perfect film. I I have no point where I can fault it because the the Hollywood thing that I would have faulted had they done it would have been for him to wind up back with Kelly and yeah and
2: it didn't I respect I like to think that
1: that's still a possibility that Kelly I, left but anything Chris is North. but
2: anything is because he's at he's at a crossroads anything is possible
0: I respect the fact that they don't show it that. That the symbolism of yeah. him at the crossroads is more meaningful. And I, e- even as a kid watching it, I always romanticized the idea that he would just get back in that car and go back and see the lady with the parcel and that that would happen. But I like not knowing as well. I like that I can live with the what if of it in my head. So, yeah. I completely agree. 10 and 10. And very quickly, um, I did have a little bit of um, fun information on it. The idea for the film actually came from Hanks himself. He had the idea because he wondered how an everyday man would would survive in that sort of situation and what that sort of situation would do to someone over a, over a period of four or five years and how they would adjust to that and then how they would adjust to life back at home. Now, the extension of this is that, obviously, Hanks's idea turned into the film, but after the success of the film, um, studio executives were looking at ways to milk it a little bit further, and it was proposed that a TV series would be made of it, and after, um, after a couple of turns through the studios and um, reviews of the concept of it, it eventually evolved into what became Lost,
2: can't believe that that's where it came but again think about it I, I think about it being like decades apart lost was four years or five years yep but i guess in development four years after the film was released so Correct. it was
1: technically a spin-off from the movie
2: how did they oh fuck my it up god! yes bianca you're absolutely right it is a spin-off um from a movie wow yep um Let's quickly get to our kent of the Week. Who is our kent of the Week? Is it Wilson the Volleyball? I think so. Yes. For being an absolute sweetheart and a best friend for as long as he could be, and then he disappeared when he knew he had to go. Wilson, you are our kent of the Week. Um,
0: Are you looking at Wilson on your shelf as you say
2: this? No, he's next to me on the bed. Oh, Um, very cute. Yes. uh, But anyway, um, Drew, thank you. Bianca, thank you. Audience, thank you for listening to this longer episode. We had to get through to the... the, um, castaway review we will be back next week and uh yes that's it yep